This is Small Changes, Stark Reality on jasoncharles.net. What's good, party people? I mean, you know, relatively speaking. Hope you're hanging in there. Small change, or otherwise known as Jim Deere, myself, and Stark Reality. That's the podcast that you are uh, tuned into at the moment, where I uh, interview people, long-form interviews, plus we get a little playlist from them, so a little music and uh, chit-chat. And this episode, I have a friend of mine, Betty Jackson King, who I've known for a few years. She is a dancer all the way. From her teenage years in New Jersey and Detroit, she was a dancer on the local Detroit show, The Scene, to an avid roller skater following that scene in the 2000s, traveling around. And when I met her in the sort of hula hoop and fire spinning scene, which she's also been uh, doing and going to Burning Man, all that madness. So we talk about that, Burning Man, music, flow arts. She just did her first radio show for BMIR, Burning Man Information Radio. Shouts to those fools. We also get into talking about a little bit of dealing with your mental health during this pandemic. And she gives some good perspective on some of the police violence that's been going on as a black mother with a son in his early 20s. She's top people, and she gives us a nice soulful playlist. So without any further ado, Betty Jackson King here on Stark Reality. Cheers, cheers. Hope you enjoy. It's good to talk to you. Thanks for uh, sitting down and talking and all that stuff. Uh, oh my gosh, so honored! Thank uh, you for having me. This is my first interview. Woo-hoo. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, long overdue. I know uh, you have been uh, you've been hanging out on this planet for a minute. Oh my god, fifty-five <laughs> years of a minute. I guess that's yeah. crazy. Are you from New Jersey? I am. I am originally, well, originally from Newark, New Jersey. Um, wow. I, from Newark, and I split, let's say, high school, my my school years between New Jersey and Detroit, Michigan, which is crazy. That's wild. So, yeah. So, what, so you must have seen a, kind of a, an interesting time in both those cities. I did. I did. But, you know, New Jersey is home. I love New Jersey. <laughs> so, but I had an in- interesting life in, in Michigan as well. That's where I started dancing. I started my cheerleading. I danced on TV out there. It was pretty cool. Really? What What did you, uh, what was the TV show you danced on? So there was a TV show called The Scene. 
and this is back in the 70s, late 70s, early 80s. And um, I auditioned and I made it. And um, it was like an after school kind of job thing where you got paid, like, yeah, I don't know how much it was, but you got a little check. But it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. That's yeah. amazing. So it was kind of like a soul train. <laughs> yes, it was like a soul train. Um, yeah, but it was called The Scene, and I believe the, I think it was Nat Morris. I think that was his name. I don't I don't remember. Like, Yeah, the name I'm sounds not... familiar, but uh, I don't think I, yeah, I he was I've like, seen it. He was the host, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. Wow, that was like my my freshman year in high school. That's insane. So you already yeah. knew back then that uh, you were dancing with something that was uh, important in your life. Yes, definitely, definitely. <laughs> Always important. A true love of mine. Like with that, anything I can dance with. Or anything that can lead me to music and dancing, then I am all for it. But it, I would say music is the love, and then the movement from that would be the dance part. And so, yeah. uh, what were what was some of the music? I know that you put on some kind of some classic sort of disco and even some yacht rock <laughs> type stuff. But uh, what what were things that you were uh, growing up that we were like, okay, I gotta get on the dance floor for? Oh my gosh! Um, I would have <laughs> so we can start with uh, the OJ's message message on music, and I think all of that came from my my mom. Like she, we always listened to music when we were cleaning the house. You know, she had some some tunes going all my life, so I, I credit her for that. Nice. Yeah. That's classic. And I met you actually in terms of dancing with things through kind of the hula hooping flow art scene. Yeah. That's something that you picked up later. How did you uh, first uh, get into it? So, I mean, I guess as a kid, you know, everyone hula hooped, you know, picked up a hoop and we did our thing or whatever. And then one summer, my niece challenged me, you know, to a hula hoop to see who could, you know, hold it up the longest. And I was like, there's got to be more more to this. There's got to be more to this. And I actually, like, went online and I Googled it. <laughs> and um, I came across Body Hoops with, I think her name was Diane Lopez or Diana Lopez. And I saw a video and I was like, oh, my God, look at what they're doing. I have to learn that. So she had a, um, she had a course. And she came to New Jersey. She's from California. She came to New Jersey and she taught it as a fitness class. And at the time I was a personal trainer. So I was like, okay, let me see if I can incorporate this into it. And I was just blown away, fell in love with it. And it just took me to places I could never imagine that I would go to. Yeah. A little plastic group. Yeah, no, it's interesting how, uh, dancing with an object and then it opens up all these different other possibilities you know in terms yeah. of movement oh my gosh yeah so the hoop became my dance partner and actually before that it was roller skating yeah i was going to ask so. you because i feel like 
some because there's a whole you hang out with a whole posse of people that I know I feel like some of them were roller skaters and I didn't real I didn't know if you were or not as well. Yes. Yeah. So I was I was a um a, a big time roller skate head, I guess if that's that's what you would call it. Um uh back in oh god, maybe in the early two thousands, I think. Um, I used to travel to skate parties. Like I've been to Michigan. Well, Michigan, easy. Um, Alabama. Wow. Um, Memphis, Tennessee. I skated in Florida. I skated in North Carolina, South Carolina. They would skaters have like this underground or or not even underground, but like a skate party. Um, they have skate parties in different states, and I would travel. And skate. It was just awesome. And actually, uh, you could find a clip of me in a video. It was, I guess it was a DVD. I'm not sure if it's still out there, but it's called Eight Wheels and Some Soul Brother Music. Nice. I already like it. <laughs> <laughs> there was a guy who um, who did a documentary on skating. And it was really big back then but i i think they pulled it because of the licensing for music ah uh, yeah that's the tricky thing sometimes uh getting all going through all the clearances with labels yeah. and uh etc to get it actually in the film yeah but I, I think i still have the dvd somewhere so but it was it was a lot of fun my skating years were awesome as well as my hooping years which i think the hula hoop may have led me to uh more places than than the skating yeah well i know that uh moody man has his big uh soul skate party it's like every other year i don't know if you've ever made it there it's during a movement festival is that the one in michigan yeah the one in detroit but they have they you know i've seen different like t-shirts of people you know they have like teams and yeah so this year 2020 was supposed to be my first time going to that one and course covid you yeah know, exactly it's crazy canceled that plan <laughs> but um <laughs> yeah did you dj there one year um i didn't dj officially i dj'd in a uh, few different after parties okay yeah i was like oh my god i have to go small change i have to go <laughs> oh you're crazy you're crazy um they do get a lot of really crazy djs out there but um yeah, and uh, you've been uh, hooping for a while, and I, I think you you work with other things too, like a wand and stuff. Yes, I got introduced to the levy wand maybe two years ago, three years ago, and fell in love with that. I, I guess anything, you know, you give me a, um, a, I don't know, a pen. If I can dance with that, I would. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of you interesting. Know? It starts to you figure try to figure out, you know, there's always different. Uh, kind of like movements and relationships with each different object that you play with. Yes. Yes. And right now I would have to say my favorite would be the contact staff. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That I, because I think for me, I like the way things feel on my body. So when I was hooping, that was when everyone did body hooping, you know? Right. And just right. the feel of the hoop going around my body. It was just, you know, I enjoyed that. It was kind of, it was relaxing. I just loved it. And then people started taking the hoop off the body and doing other stuff. So I'm like, oh, 
okay, but body hooping feels better to me. Yeah, people have different styles within that too. Yeah. What kind of what what they gravitate to. Right. And yeah, and the concept yeah. of like kind of keeping the hoop up, it 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 is a kind of rhythm that, in a way, it is kind of like on some Zen stuff. I know a lot of people who are instructors kind of like play off that that there is a kind of Zen aspect to it. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh! Speaking of instructors, so the first time I heard of Jonathan Baxter. Baxter, yes, Baxter oh, is OG. Wow. He's a crazy. He's he's yeah. got crazy skills. He has a de- so, uh, he has a definite style, Baxter. Yes. One of the ladies came to me and she was like, oh, have you ever taken Jonathan Baxter's class? And I'm like, no, I, I, I never heard of him. And as soon as I found out that he had a class, I took it and it was just amazing. So, yeah, um, he's an so- excellent instructor because he, you know, has his style, but he also just drills fundamentals. And that's yeah. kind of the concept in terms of I, I feel like you know, going from different movements and making it fluid is that you're just comfortable with the hoop at all these different kind of fundamental basic things so that wherever you're at, you can react because you you know where you're at with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like going in both directions, all the things you don't want to do, but you're like, well, I should practice that, you know, (laughs) the the opposite direction. Yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. So I guess that's why I like the um, contact staff now because again, it's it's contact. You know, I like the way it feels rolling on my body, around my neck. You know, it's kind of like hooping with a straight line. I've played around yeah. with staff, but I've never really. It's wacky. Again, you have to kind of get used to it in a way. Yes, yeah. duck out and yeah, it will hit you on your eye or wherever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you definitely can injure yourself with that. <laughs> and you've been uh, getting into fire spinning too, right? You were in a uh, conclave at Burning Man last year. Yes, my first time ever. Oh my gosh, it was you amazing! Have a good time? Shout out, shout out to the Brooklyn Proposition. Yes. Yeah, that was the so, crew you were representing. Yes, yes, amazing, amazing dancers first, and then they add the fire spinning to it, and it just it's just beautiful. Just absolutely beautiful. So the first time I did fire was actually with Bex. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. So she had the class, and um, I took the class. And the first thing I spun fire was hula hoop. And from that, um, I guess, you know what? So what attracted me to the fire was that the sound was music to my ears, believe it or not. Just hearing that sound and Well, that kind of it. whooshing sound, basically. Yes, hearing it crackle, hearing it going around your body, it was just intoxicating to me. <laughs> so, um, well, I think there's yeah, an aspect so- of fire where you can't really fuck around with it. So, there's a certain thing where you're going to get good enough on whatever uh, toy you're playing with to then be able to be like, all right, now I'm going to do this with fire because. I'm I'm down with all these tricks that I'm going to do. You're not going to really like, I'm going to play around <laughs> while this yeah. thing is on fire around me. So it's sort of like it is an inspiration to actually get tight with your tricks because then you want to be able to do them on fire and not light yourself on fire, essentially. Exactly. Exactly. And I am that safety person. You know, I don't want anything to go wrong, you know. But um, I guess I got burned maybe twice, but nothing major so yeah it happens yeah but um being with the conclave it was just that was amazing that was absolutely amazing and actually 
we also put on a um, a show at the deep end. We did um, a performance of the firecracker, which was a a twist on the nutcracker. Nice. Yeah, it was it was very <laughs> it was interesting. It was fun. It was, it was just a lot of fun. Um, again, that crew, the Brooklyn Proposition, just amazing people down the earth. That's my family. Yeah, and that's what's kind of nice is uh, then the hoop, as you said, it kind of takes you in places that you wouldn't have expected, that you're like, oh, let me try and just learn some of these tricks, but then you end up uh, finding some community in it. Yes, I found you in that community. That's true. <laughs> yes, you yeah. guys used to come by uh, my party, no parking on the yeah. dance floor. That was always good to awesome. see you guys. Yeah, where where else awesome. Where else do you end up jamming? Well, I guess now with COVID, but where were you uh, going out? To hoop, was there any kind of? I think I saw some of you at um, the Thirty Third Street, the one that Mobile Mondays was DJing. It's like classic yes, disco or like the, Thursday afternoons or something. We would do the Mobile. I think I did Mobile Mondays one time, and it must have been a holiday because for me to go to New York when I have to work, it, you know, I don't always make it in time. By the time I get there. Oh, you know, right. Yeah, there is always traffic jams coming into the city at that time. It's not the best time yeah. to come in. That's true. Yeah. So I think I went to a couple, maybe one or two mobile Mondays. The 30, 33rd Street, I did make that. I would do Soul Summit. We um, we would make, uh, let's see, Soul Summit. Soul Summit is classic. Yeah. They kind of ironed it out where they were doing it now. Like, I guess they do it maybe two times a year. But they were doing it on the regular. And then, of course, uh, the city was, like, busting them. So then I think they worked something out. But yeah. how many years have they been yeah. going now? Like, 10 years? or? Oh, that's, yeah. That's probably 10. Maybe even more. Because I, wow. I can't remember the first one I went to. That was some years, some years ago. But, yeah, that's a proper deep house party. Yes. And it kind yes. of, to me, is nice, you know, especially with all the gentrification in New York. It's like a proper, you know, Brooklyn deep house party. That's that's the vibes yeah. I always get from that, you know. Yeah. Always good vibes. Nice vibes, yes. Uh, what else did we do? Um, oh, gosh. There was, there, yeah, unfortunately, I don't know all the names of the parks in New York. So um, there was something at Commodore Battery Park. Am I saying it correctly? Is that the name of the park? It's in Brooklyn. Oh, Brooklyn Battery Park down like by Dumbo or whatever. I think so. Yeah, we did stuff over there. Um, as far as New Jersey, we would do the house festivals that they would have. There's one that they have near me, Warnacle Park. Oh, really? Uh, they have house festivals? Oh, yeah. They have um, not festivals. It's not festivals the way we would think of them as far as the Burn Community Festival. More DJs and people hanging out and just dancing in the park. More like Soul Summit, I guess. That sounds amazing. Where in Jersey? Yeah, have, where in Jersey would you go? So they have one in. Um, there's a park near me called Warrenacre Park. It's in. It's like the borderline of Roselle, Linden, New Jersey. Um, my town has one every every year. Um, Week Wake Park. They have them there, but for the most part, New York, wherever. Yeah, Hudson, yeah. <laughs> wherever, wherever I can find music and uh, someone that wants to dance or people who want to dance and hang out. Figment, which was 
a big thing for me every year. Dance parade. Yeah, Figment. Shouts to Figment. They were doing that uh, Governor's Island every year. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, oh, gosh. Wow. Did I do the <laughs> Halloween parade? No. <laughs> Halloween parade. I, I didn't do it. Have you done it? Because, no. No, that's not, not surprising. I figured you you would you I've I've danced a few times on Halloween parade. It's fun. Yeah, I never because like again Jersey work. Yeah, so I missed out on a couple of things. So yeah, ah, you know you got to do what you got to do. It's all good. Yeah, yeah, you, but you, I would actually take the hoop into clubs here in Jersey and in New York. So how does <laughs> yeah? No, the thing about like hooping in clubs is it usually takes up more space than people are used to. So how did that work out? I guess, would you go, so, you wouldn't go when it was like super packed, I assume. It didn't matter, but, and I would always be respectful. Like if, if I saw it getting crowded, I would put my hoop down. Right, right. Or do something off body or find a corner where I can just hoop because that's the music I want to hear. And especially in wintertime, you know, I'm not hooping outside. It's cold and there's no outdoor events, so I would take it to various clubs. So I, I guess no one never, never came to my face and you know said something like, "Oh, you need to go home with that." Right, right, right. Well, that's you good. Know? So, yeah, n- never got any negative vibes, but maybe they were saying it in their heads, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> No one ever came to me with that. And uh, so. I also heard you on a BMIR, Burning Man Information Radio. Shouts to that whole crew. But uh, <laughs> I heard you uh, on BMIR uh, interviewing uh, was Osolande, right? Yes, I did. It was my first time ever on BMIR as a host. Uh, my voice had been at Burning Man since 2015. I was doing the... Um, yeah, ads for PSAs and stuff. Yeah, so um, yeah, it was it was interesting. It was fun. It it was it was amazing. I'm sorry. <laughs> like I'm smiling now. I can't stop smiling thinking about it. I'm still riding that high. You know. That's excellent. That's excellent. Yeah. I thought you did an excellent job. You were you were Thank you're probably you. much more prepared than I am with you right now. I mean, you had all these <laughs> questions. You know, so it was good, though. I had, I mean, I had two very important people, in my opinion, you know, and I had to be ready. I was like, oh, my gosh. I When when I was told that Osamade said yes, I was like, oh, my gosh, you know. I was <laughs> breathing. I was like, oh, my gosh. He's been coming <laughs> out to the playa for a while, for sure. Yes, yes, yes. and um. But, you know, he, he definitely has a generally more soulful sound than you hear out there. So it's good that people like him are coming out and bringing some of that, you know, just to kind of mix yes. up the sound so it doesn't get too, uh, you know, I don't know. Sometimes it's a little soulless out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but still love it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. No, nah, it's a great party. Yeah. It really is like one of those parties. So... Hopefully they'll bounce back after this. I know it's just uh, it's been a crazy time, and uh, you've know. been you've been holding up overall. Yes, I have. I'm working from home, um, hanging out with my family. Um, my man set up a roller skating rink, kind of sorta, in my garage. 
So I've been skating there. I taught him how to do fire safety. So I've been <laughs> um, classic. <laughs> poor guy. I and shout out to Alistair Beckles, my love. Um, <laughs> I've been. Um, he's just he, actually he has made this a lot easier for me. Like just trying to make me comfortable, and especially missing Burning Man. You know, he makes sure that I have a fire lit every night during the week of the burn and he just put up with me and my craziness. So, yeah. <laughs> it's good to have people yeah. like that in your life for sure. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. So what do you think? You think you would do more of this kind of radio interview or, uh, you feel like you have the bug for that a little bit? I do. I honestly do. So when I first, when I went to Burning Man for the first time and I read, you know, everything that I could read on it, uh, or someone, someone maybe even told me, like, when you go there, you know, just do the thing that you always wanted to do in life, but maybe you just didn't get a chance to. So radio was one of them. So I decided to volunteer, and I did that, and I just met, met amazing people. And then me doing the promos, and then this year I actually filled out the form to have a show. So, yeah, I I hope to go back on there. That's my plan. Do you want to talk maybe about just being black at Burning Man? So for me, my first time going was 2015, and I didn't know any black people that went, that wanted to go. So the first person to talk to, to ever mention Burning Man to me was, um, her prior name is Snowflake, and she's with Vulcan Empire, and why am I it's drawing a blank on, on Lauren, I don't remember her last name. But Vul- so anyhow, I, Vulcan I'm Empire, sorry? Vulcan Empire from Oakland, whole uh, fire she's spinning from, crew. She was from New York, and she moved to Oakland. It's right. Lauren, she's the first person to mention it to me, and then years later, that was like in 20, 2011, 2010, something like that. But 2015, I met Cosmos, um, Carlos Montoya. Right, and right. He, and he, he, I was at Figment, and my mom was there. And he stood there and talked to my mom for like two hours, trying to make her comfortable with me going to Burning Man. That's hilarious. Here I am. I'm 50 years old. And this man is trying to convince my mom that it's okay for me to go. I just thought it was hilarious. That is hilarious. So, yeah. So I went with him and his camp, New York Dangerous. And again, the crew that I hung around, they were not, none of them were black. I saw a couple of black people at Burning Man and, you know, it was just like, oh, another burning, you know, no conversation, nothing. So I don't know if it was me. Maybe I didn't reach out. I, I don't know. No, but, no. I mean, I'm just saying I was, you know, and again, we, we can get into this or not. But I was just wondering if, if you had an, an experience or just even some insights and maybe how Burning Man could be more incorporated or reach out to people or have a more of a mixed crowd. It would be great. And actually, um, I, I would love it. 
I, I don't know how to how they would do it. I really don't know because I I try to talk to my friends into going. You know, like Brooklyn Pop was like, no, I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Michael. She's like, no. She's another hooper I, that I know. I've seen you. Yeah, with and a you bunch know, it times. was hard for me to get her to go to. Um, we went to uh, what was it? Um, what was the one in um Jersey? Now, what's their impression that it's just some just some typical rave or something, right? Or no, I think it's the. I, I think that they are not comfortable with the living situation. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Is, it is rough out there. <laughs> it, it is rough. It is, it is extremely rough. And I've always been the type that, okay, well, you know, sounds like fun. I'll go. My friend calls me a fun whore. <laughs> because, <laughs> because she's like, all you want to do is just have a good time. I'm like, yeah, well, why shouldn't I? You no, know I, mean? I mean, you have a great philosophy on life. It's really nice talking to you because, like I said, you always have, like, a fabulous vibe. And uh, so that's, you know. Thank you. It's good that it's good to be talking to you. But yeah, in terms of uh, going out there, yeah, you have to have a certain kind of temperament where you're like, yeah, I this looks even if it is kind of a pain in the ass, it does look like a lot of fun. So why yeah, not? and it also could be like you know everything I had to do to get there. Like maybe they're not they don't want to you know pack up their stuff and make sure that they have enough of everything to last them for that time. I, I don't know. Yeah, there is a lot of planning going on too. It's not just some like throw some things together and go kind yeah. of thing. You have to kind of be yeah, it's a whole process. But yeah. you know, that's life in general. <laughs> exactly. Know. Yeah. And if look, if you know, why not try? That was my thing. I've never been camping in my life before Burning Man. Right. Oh, I'm sorry, let me not let me rephrase that. So that year before I went to Burning Man, I went to Pex. To see if I would be okay with camping and pitching my own tent and everything. And I went there and I was like, okay, this is easy. And then I went to the barn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pex was a great, shouts to uh, Philadelphia Experiment. That was um, a, a great, burn, like, uh, regional burn. I don't, I don't think an official one, but, uh, you know, a lot of uh, New York, Philly, and yeah. DC oh people. I miss that. Yeah. It was always uh, outside Baltimore, about forty-five minutes. They had they had a little farm there or something, but yeah, yeah. no, that was a great great burn. It for was, sure. yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, that was so much fun. So I went there, and then I went to Burning Man, and I loved it. Just, just it was like Disneyland for adults. Yeah, that is. It's just uh, you know, just a place to get it, silly. Yeah, definitely silly. <laughs> definitely silly. Yeah. So I don't know any other questions. I don't know. I mean, I am a mom of one son. He's twenty-one. No, God, he's twenty-two. He would kill me. <laughs> I am a mom who's losing her mind with this COVID thing. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. How are you? How are you managing? Uh, you know, it's I've kind of like gotten lost in video games again i don't know just trying to pass the time still doing my radio show still doing this so just trying to you know pay attention to what's going on in the world as depressing as it is you know just try to yeah. be up on things so in a way that kind of keeps your sanity i don't know i just yeah. 
you know, the fight never ends, you know, the the bullshit never ends, you know, the bullshit messaging and I don't know. How do how do you seem to cope with all that stuff or things going on in the world? Sometimes I don't cope. I mean, it's really, really hard for me waking up every morning and hearing things happening to people that look like me. Yeah. And that look like my son. And um, it's it's heartbreaking. It, it really is. It's heartbreaking. Um, I have a lot of respect for the younger generation of activists that are out there. Like I, I think that they're amazing what they're doing. I have a lot of respect for the allies that are coming out. And um, I honestly cannot believe who we have in office <laughs> and some of the shit that he says and does and is getting away with it. It's just, it's just unreal. Yeah, it is pretty crazy to think that, you know, in terms of even knowing the history of fascism and the history of racism, and then these candidates are still supported. You just, you realize it's a very big problem, you know? Huge problem. Yeah. Huge problem. Yeah. It's a very entrenched system, you know? So even if you know, people know better, you know, even if a, a, a large majority of people want health insurance, it's they're still not going to pass a law for it, much less reigning in something like the police. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So it's. But it's yeah, I, I mean, like I said, it's and part of the reason I wanted to do this podcast is to get different people's perspectives. And it's it's one thing, you know, obviously it infuriates me, but. Yeah, I can't, you know, there's no way that I can fully understand, you know, a black perspective on this. It's just, it, it's terrifying. It's awful. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah, if you have a son that age, that, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It, it, it's trauma. It's like. It's trauma. Um, it, yeah. It, when, when the world, I worked in the World Trade Center. So I worked at Cantor Fitzgerald. And just to tell you a quick story, so I worked there and, um girl who took my place and a lot of my colleagues passed away. So every night after that, I would cry. I was crying every night, every night, every night, every night, watching the news. And I told my mom, I can't sleep because, you know, crying every night, you know, I just can't. So she's like, stop watching the news. So I stopped and it kind of eased it. But now it's like, it's, you know, not to compare the two, but it's still, it's like, what's going to happen when I'm going through post-trauma or actually not even post-trauma, just I'm going through trauma. So to try to get over it, you know, I listen to my music, talk to my friends, talk to my son, you know, just, I don't know, sometimes talking it out helps. But other times it does it. So I just let it out with tears. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think people don't realize, just the amount of pain, like what, what trauma really means. It's uh, yeah. It's just putting a lot on people, you know? Yeah. 
And I feel like they, you know, how they deal with the trauma they create is to create more trauma, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and exactly. It's, uh, it's yeah. just, it's a very dark world, you know? Very it's dark. just very twisted. And uh, yeah. I don't know, It's it does seem like this, you know, long-running question, like how do you get people to be truly empathetic and truly understand the power structure to then try and wrest control of this somehow? But yeah, I mean, that's, that is also a crazy thing is, uh, trying to, you know, when you're having those, those feelings and, and depression or whatever, just ways that you kind of deal with it, you know? I mean, I, th yeah. I think, I think like, you know, what I've seen a lot of activists online, you know, they've mentioned this on Twitter that they just, they don't want to see any more videos of black people getting shot or whatever. It, it does almost become like this kind of like, yeah, we know it exists, you know, we, you know, if the proof is there, great, but after a certain point, it does, I feel like it does become kind of traumatizing, you know? Yeah, it is. I don't know, it, it is, it's kind of a crazy perspective, like I said, I just don't, it's hard, you know, I, I, I want to kind of understand that more, because like I said, it's, it's just, you know, jumping out of my own perspective, I guess, you know, even though, you know, you know it, but it's you yeah. know when you hear when you hear someone like yourself say it, then it really does kind of hit home, you know. That's funny because that happened with my, at my job. We had a discussion on this, and um, I guess when I told them the story of what happened to my son with the police, it it kind of shocked them. They were like, "Wow, you know, something like that happened to someone who I know, you know, someone I know." happened to her son not as bad as that but you know they had him walking towards them he he had to walk towards them with his hands up backwards wow so you know nothing happened after that but he he feared for his life he, he feared for his life and um one of the attorneys said that one of the questions we were talking, we were discussing was um, how we have to tell our children how to behave when, the, when you're stopped by the cops. Like we have a whole story that we have to tell them. And one of the, one of the persons that I work with who's not of color, he was saying, wow, he couldn't imagine having to have a talk like that with his child. Yeah, that's the whole thing is uh, when you're you're not in that world, then and I think that's where it kind of like leads to the lack of empathy. It's, you know, people like, well, you know, I don't have to have that talk with my son. So why should I worry about it? You know, right. someone else's problem. But yeah, I mean, I was just listening to an interview recently and, and you know, the person's like, you know, we shouldn't have uh, even entertain the kind of um argument that people should get killed you know right or, or that becomes less important than private property you know it's right. just uh it's it, it really does seem like a really lack of of uh value of human life specifically you know non-white people you know it, it because yeah. you know you have white people shooting people like at that recent protest yeah. and just walking off with their AK like, Oh wow, that person's still alive. Or even Dylan roof was still alive. Yeah. You oh know? So it's like, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, that's the thing is how do you kind of pierce the bubble of people who don't really see just how bad the system is, just how one-sided it is, you know? That just seems like the eternal struggle, <laughs> you know? So I think that some people may see it, but it, 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 it doesn't, they don't want to lose power. You know what I mean? Like, you have to know right from wrong, in my opinion. Like right. everyone has, you know, you know, right from wrong. But some people are like, well, you know, so what? It's, you know, if it's wrong, I want to, I want to maintain my my hierarchy. I want to maintain my powers. I, that's what I think it is. Exactly. It's 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 still convenient for them to feel like, well, that's not going to happen to my son. So therefore, why should I worry about it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So what I what I can say is that, you know, as black people, we always knew this was happening. We knew it, we knew it, we knew it. Now, other people are seeing it and, and at least seeing that what we're saying was true. Whether they believe, you know, whether they can empathize with us or not, they see it. You see it. It's, it's there. You know? Yeah, and that's yeah. an important thing that it was always happening. You know, even pre Rodney King, still. Right. You know, even before there was videotape. Of course, it's been happening for decades yeah. and decades. And yeah. you know, then you have corporate media that doesn't really portray that kind of voice. Like you don't really hear sort of the people from a street perspective. You know, in media. Mm. You know. Yeah. It's all. I don't know. I say 2020 is definitely bringing a lot of clarity. Yeah. I mean, a I lot mean, of we people so are excited like, fuck 2020, we but it is in a way, it, it's sort of a barometer also, you know? Yeah. 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 But, uh... Well, uh, I don't know. We don't have to end on such a negative Nelly note. I don't care, really. You know, it's just <laughs> this is just conversations. Like my podcast is pretty aimless in terms of direction. But um, I don't know. Is there anything that uh, we haven't talked about that maybe you wanted to uh, rap about? Uh, um, well, I have questions for you. <laughs> oh, really? All right, put me on the spot. That's fine. <laughs> okay, let's flip it. Sure. So. When did you start at BMIR? I started at BMIR, I think I just got my 15-year patch last year. Wow. So BMIR started, it was in a trailer and center camp. And I don't know if anyone camped there, or maybe just the, uh, the you know, manager, uh, my friend Eric Zeus, and this other guy, Trademark G., who was in this group, Evolution Control Committee. So they were kind of running the station, I think, back in the day, and it was just a couple of people. But then, you know, they had all kinds of people come through and do guest shows. And then the camp sort of expanded in more of a camp, and uh, then I started camping there. I think I've been camping there for about 10 years or around there. Wow. But, yeah, I used to have to, like, you know, camp somewhere else. Like, I'd be camped on Ninth and C, so I'd have to bike with all my stuff. I even brought records back then, had a portable turntable. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh my God. So wait, like did your records get damaged? 
That well, you know, they get a little dusty. You clean them off when you get home. Okay. But yes, <laughs> it's a crazy wow. place to bring records. But yeah, no, it's they've been going for a long time. So shouts to BMIR. They're definitely, uh, you know, it's a fun place for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, DJ Never Girl. Never Girl. That's right. You were talking to Never Girl. <laughs> yeah. She told me that you and her worked. Up. She said that it was another radio station before it was BMIR. Well, no, that or, wasn't the same station. It was a different oh, station. Oh, different. Yeah. Okay, maybe. I mean, there's a bunch of radio stations on the playa. You know, it's sort of like it's far enough away from any kind of like commercial zone because it's you know way in the sticks and you know northern Nevada. So okay. that, you know, the only stations that you would get on the playa is like probably maybe the rock station from Reno, like Fuzzy. So in terms of like Burning Man, it's kind of nice for setting up pirate radio because you're not really interfering with any stations. So there's, uh-huh. you know, there's always a good like 20 or 30 stations. I've met, I met another friend of mine actually who was doing uh, this pirate Vulcan so he lived in the Vulcan, you know, before the fire spinners. He's been there forever. It's like these old Oakland steel mill that's been converted into lofts. And uh, so he had a pirate radio station at Burning Man in the early 2000s. But um, there was another station called Radio Free Burning Man. I think that's the one she was talking about. Yeah, exactly. And I am spacing on the person's name who ran it, which is terrible. I should know it offhand. But uh, it was a really good crew, like old school radio heads. And one guy had a lot of the gear and storage, so he would bring it all out and set it up. Uh, And uh, I did shows there for a while, you know. So, yeah, it was a nice vibe. What got you into radio? What got me into radio was uh, going to college. Actually, before I went oh, to college, okay. uh, I was collecting records like 15, 16. I kind of got into the Southern California mod scene in the 80s. So I was collecting a lot of like old reggae and stuff like wow. that and soul and whatever, going to these dances. And so then... Uh, I had a few friends that were a little bit older, so they started going to college, and one of them went to UC Irvine, and he got a uh, a show on the college radio station. So that was the first time I think I DJed then. I was probably like 16 and a half. I was still in high school and brought a bunch of records to the college radio station and did like a little ska set. (laughs) (laughs) But then the irony is I, I went to that school like, you know, a year or two later, a couple of years later. So then that was one of the first things I did when I got on the campuses looking to start volunteering for the radio station. Nice. Wow. Yeah. And a, so lot, I, a lot of college stations were set up and like, you know, colleges that were built in the sixties and whatever they had bandwidth. So they would set it up as part of the communications department. Like they would get, You know, if it was a state college like that, they would get a license from the FCC and then they would get promo records, you know, so. Wow. So the two songs that you played that I'll never forget that I heard you play that blew my mind. Help Yourself to My Love, (laughs) Kashi. I think I was I think you played that at one of your um, no parking on a dance floor parties. 
Right. And the other song was Nights Over Egypt at um, Gratitude. Yeah, that was, that's always, I don't know, it's just a beautiful song. So I just, yeah. it rarely leaves the crate. But yeah, <laughs> and it's also a nice song to play Burning Man, of course, with all the desert themes. Yes. <laughs> so with me, I know, um, like, if someone introduces me to a new song or plays a song that's very dear to my heart in a special place, I will never forget them. That's crazy. That's so why. I will never forget you. <laughs> you have a real connection with music. Real connection. Yes. Well, I'm sure you've heard Knights of Egypt back in the day, right? Did you roller yes, skate was... to that back in the day, I would imagine? I'm sorry, say that again? Did you roller skate to that back in the day? No, that was one of the songs that my mother played. Ah. Jones Girls. Jones Girls. So when I was, yeah, yeah, she had the album. And when I was younger and I would listen to music, I would always read the back of the album cover. Like, that was my comic book, you know? <laughs> Yeah, you can learn a lot from, uh, you know, that's the thing that I kind of miss, you know, digging for, you know, music online is uh, just going through looking at the side players, looking at the label and kind of like finding music through that way, you know. Yeah. Well, I've been trying to trying to get the lyrics by putting your ear to the, to the speaker and trying to write it down. Those are things that I did. But yes, I have a strong connection with music. Love it. Uh, and what inspired some of the playlists is just basically uh, a bunch of your favorites. Uh, so the playlist, I have so many playlists. So I have to, um, I need to look and see what songs. I, oh, okay. So I know I gave you Stevie Wonder. Yeah, that girl. When Stevie Wonder is my favorite artist. Period. Um. I told my job that if something happens to him, I am taking a bereavement day or days. Um, I added Prince, another favorite artist. I did put Minnie Ripperton on there, correct? Yeah. Minnie another Ripperton. one. Yeah. Amazing singer. Uh, Help Yourself to My Love was me saying thank you to you. <laughs> hey, thank you so, to you. Because you... I hadn't heard that song in a long time and you played it that day and I was like, Oh my gosh, you know? So, <laughs> um, gosh, what are the songs that I put on the list? This is it. It's just a beautiful song. Kenny Loggins. Oh, sorry. <laughs> nah, it's all good. Absolutely love that. Um, dreams, Fleetwood Mac, another just beautiful song. Love it. Maureen is dedicated to my best friend, Patricia, who passed away. Um, Sade, Nothing Can Come Between Us is dedicated to my man. And Computer Blue, you know, it's just, I like the way that song changes up. The music changes up. Right. So, yeah. That's it. Nice. But that girl, Stevie Wonder, actually, that girl. Um, I forgot about that lady. song, and I heard another DJ play it a couple of years ago. I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to start throwing that in my sets. That girl, of course. Yeah. So that song I used, I, one year I won, um, well, for I had I was Hooper of the Month in this, on this girl's website. And she 
she, you know, she was like, well, what song do you want to play? And I'm like, just play that girl, you know? And so that has been my me song <laughs> for a while. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, so that's it. And Simple Things, Minnie Ripperton is just beautiful. Like, she was just an amazing vocalist. Incredible so, vocalist. Incredible yeah. vocalist. Yeah. So, that's it. I can go on and on. Nah, that's all good. Thanks so much for talking. Seriously, Thank that you. was like really, really, yeah. Part of why I do this is is to kind of just have those moments where it's like, yeah, of course I know this stuff is horrible, but then you talk to someone that has a son that age, it's like it really does give, you know, the needed perspective on the shit, you know, even oh, for someone that, yeah. you know, like myself, fights the shit <laughs> and I know, but you still have to like, Really, no, man. You just have to hear that from people, you know? Yeah. And like I said, I re- like there's so many allies out there this time. Like, that's, that's, that's the beauty of this time. This movement is like, that's the real beauty of it, in my opinion. Like, so many allies out there. Like, I'm just like, and for me, because the majority of my, well, I have a, a lot of people people not of color or white people who are who I work with and then I have a lot of people in the burn community that like I absolutely love and then when I see them you know be, being an ally that, that just that just makes my heart like melt I'm like wow you know yeah I think that's really important just just uh it, it's really about choosing a side and uh you know to stand yeah. with people and I think people do appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. To hear Betty Jackson King's exclusive Stark Reality playlist, go to episode 18 of Stark Reality on Mixcloud or live and direct on jasoncharles.net, podcast network, music shows. You've been listening to Small Changes, Stark Reality on jasoncharles.net. jasoncharles.net Deep talk, deep sounds. That was so deep.